I'm Steven. I'm Chris. I'm Stargate Pioneer. And I'm the French Canadian Sensation. And we're the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a podcast member of the GunnaGeek Network. Just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready. Because geekiness begins in... Three. Two. One. Let's geek! Man, Nintendo's bringing Nessie back. 20th Century Fox is bringing the Predator back. Digital Soup brought Adam back. And much more. So grab your spoons, because the soup is served. All right, welcome to the Digital Soup. My name is Jason, and this is the only podcast that you're literally listening to right now. <laughs> nice. I didn't know if that was Jason or Urban Legend. <laughs> oh, Urban Legend. <laughs> no, this is Adam, of course, and uh, filling in for Jason's intro is me. Um, Jason couldn't be with us tonight, tonight for unforeseen circumstances, and I was gone last week, so it's only fitting that we just keep on having two hosts for every show now <laughs> we just we kidding. make it work right absolutely i i am i might have to seriously think about my my name change though at this point yeah again consistently dave we just change it to cd 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 instead of ud yep <laughs> i like it i like yeah, it we'll, we'll make it work again unfortunately jason's not here to uh to bring his witty banter and um other other fine podcasting qualities to us but i think we have a great show coming up here we've got a lot of fun topics that we're going to talk about it's going to be awesome yeah we should be we should be set up well because uh his absence was kind of a last minute thing and he had put some good work into our show notes this week he's been really helping me out on that department too because work has been my day job has been incredibly busy and i haven't had as much time as usual to go in and tinker around there like I normally would. So he's been stepping up big time there. But the one thing last week, and Adam, I know you listened to it, mm -hmm. and we had uh, spent a little time during the Geek Off talking about uh, a bunch of different things and gaming and all of that. And right before that, or right after, I forget where it came in, that was in episode 73. So if you haven't listened to that yet, listeners, go ahead and check that out. You can find that at digitalsuitpodcast.com. We do have it linked up right here in the show notes, so you can just swipe over to your show notes in your podcast player and hit those links right there. But we were talking about that service, Utomic, the game streaming service. Yes. And um, during that conversation, the, the, the topic of PlayStation Now came up as far as their game streaming service. And we were both kind of surprised a little bit because we didn't realize that this PlayStation Now service lets you stream on your Windows, and it looks like they've got a pretty hefty um, catalog between PS3 and PS4 games. And I, I said that I would look into a little follow-up to see how it works. Now, I haven't set anything up with it because it's 20 bucks a month. You do get a seven-day free trial, um, things like that. But what they're saying, what you need to get started as far as if you want to take advantage of the service is basically, number one, a compatible Windows PC so you're going to need something that's got enough power to run this stuff. Uh, number two, you need the DualShock 4 wireless controller with the USB mini cable. So the, the wired controller for the PS4. Uh, optional, you can get the USB wireless adapter if you prefer. And then you need a PlayStation Network account, which is easy enough to set up. 
And then the current PS Now subscription or seven-day free trial, it does require a credit card, I guess they're saying, uh, which, of course, would just be if you want to keep the service going after that seven-day trial. And then the last thing they say is a five megabyte per second or greater internet connection. So hmm. decent connection. I'm assuming they mean download speeds there. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, which... Although, <laughs> say your upload speed is pretty important for this too. You would think, yeah, because it's if it's streaming... You're going to need, and that might be what they mean by uh, your your speeds because maybe it's the upload that's more important. But that's what they're saying. It's an app. You go right to the PlayStation.com website. We've got it linked up here. You can hit download app, plug in, and, and if your computer meets requirements and you've got the right equipment as far as the PS4 controller and everything else, um, you can certainly check that out. It looks like they have a ton of titles on here, which could be kind of cool to go back and, you know, especially with the PS3 games, have them all running right through my PC and playing right there yeah. since that's where I do my gaming anyways. But at 20 bucks a month, man, I don't know. It's dedication. Right. The interesting thing is you don't need a 3D video card or anything fancy to run this stuff. They're minimum requirements. Right. It's like Windows 7 through Windows 10. Yep. An i3 2 gigahertz CPU, 300 megs of RAM, of, uh, not RAM, 300 megs of storage, 2 right. gigs of RAM, and a sound card and a USB port. That is it. Yeah, it's pretty minimal. Um, they, they're not asking a lot. Um, even their optimal performance specs, it's a Intel i3 uh, i processor, so the lower yeah. end of the Intel processors. Of the i of the i style processors, so right. That's really intriguing, though. You know, if you play it a lot, mm -hmm. you're still looking at you know two hundred and forty dollars a year, right? But you get access to all these different titles, so I guess that's the other the other yeah. trade off. And I, I'd be curious to see how they handle it as far as some of their you know big releases and stuff, and you know newer releases. Obviously, for games, you know the one that comes to mind just for whatever reasons because I've been thinking about getting it still on on Steam, but is the Assassin's Creed Origins. But there's so many games like that that people love on their PlayStation or Xbox or whatever it is that mm -hmm. being able to stream it on your PC if you don't have a PS4 or an Xbox One X or whatever might give you access to that. But I don't know that they're going to put those top-shelf games up there right off the bat either. So, Right. We'll have to take a look at their catalog. Speaking of games, I uh, purchased a new game through Steam called The Forest. The Forest. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but... No. As the lone survivor of a passenger jet crash, you find yourself in a mysterious forest battling to stay alive against a society of cannibalistic mutants. Whoa. Build, explore, survive in this terrifying first-person survival horror simulator. This just came, uh, this was in like uh, alpha or basically pre-release for a couple of years, I think. Okay. And it just got officially released April 30th. It's $20, but it's also multiplayer co-op the whole nine yards. So it's not like I'd a survival game like Ark or anything? Actually, it kind of is. Really? Except it's more horror-based, and sure. you're exploring this weird, lonely forest. I kind of went through and read the reviews a lot, and um, it, it, it's pretty awesome. They're like, this is super creepy. Wow. Um, Have you played it at all, really Monster? great AI. No, I just installed it. I haven't even ran it yet. So Oof. it's the... It's a world open world adventure survival horror game set on an island. Hmm. And it says, uh, in the beginning of the game, you're in a plane with your son, Timmy. The plane crashes. Timmy! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I couldn't help it. <laughs> the, the plane crashes to the island, killing almost everyone. You somehow manage to survive, blah, blah, blah. You got to, what was the other, one of the other things I read? It was like, this is great. All of a sudden, you, all the animals stop making noise and. It, it's really uh, atmospheric, supposedly. So, Oh, really? Looking forward to playing it. I, I am interested that there's a co-op mode and you can still like build 
stuff to defend against really? the, like cannibalistic stuff. So might be something that the digital soup guys might want to check out. Yeah, very much so. It sounds like it could be a pretty pretty fun ride. And you said it's about twenty bucks. Nineteen ninety nine, right now. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Why don't you um, at some point here? Why don't you throw that link right into the show notes for any listeners too? Because if uh, anyone out there has any experience with this game, we'd love to hear from you. But that does sound like it. It could be a lot of fun and adds a little different twist on the standard, you know, arc survival that we're we're used to. Yeah, I know there's a ton of those games out there. I was looking at Steam the other day, and it just because I've got Ark and I haven't really played too much else. Mm-hmm. Everything, all the you know how they recommend stuff, it's all based on because you played Ark Survival Evolved, and <laughs> it's all these other open world survivor type games, and then of course a little bit of Witcher Three, but. I sure. did actually reinstall, if you remember, we had both picked it up on that one Steam sale last winter, um, that Middle-Earth Shadows of Mordor. Yeah, I still haven't gotten to that yet either. I oh, man. I, I, well, I had it installed on my other PC, and then when I when I built the head, Jason built this new one for me. I never never brought it over, never reinstalled it on this new machine, and I uh, thought, you know, I'm going to check that out because it's there, and it was fun the little bit I played of it. And I'm trying to work out some kinks on the video recording side of things for gaming to start adding some videos up like Jason's been doing with those Pixar videos over on the YouTube channel. And working on that, and I was like, this would be kind of a fun one um, because it's kind of action RPG, you know, a lot of, you know, crazy stuff happening. And I, I was playing just a little bit of it as I tried to work out the kinks, kind of the beginner stuff. And man, (laughs) I'll say that it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really is fun. But not only that, but it is extremely hard to talk in these videos while you're trying to do all these button combinations and keep yeah. up with the action. I found myself more than once like starting a sentence and then stopping for like 30 <laughs> seconds. I sounded like I was half brain dead. But I'll say this, those those gamers that really stream these intensive games like Fortnite and these you know shooters and all that stuff, and they're holding conversations with their... Uh, viewers and stuff while stuff is happening on screen. My hat's off to him because man, maybe I'm just getting old, but I could not is that keep my focus. Yeah, I, I had trouble multitasking, so it was uh, very crazy. But we've got some other big news that just dropped today. Actually, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty classic. Yes, yeah, me. Very classic because yep. once again, everyone's going to be scrambling to the stores because there's something being promised, and chances are you. Probably mm-hmm. still won't find one if things hold That's true. That's right, the last guys. Time. The McRib is back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you still eat the McRib when it comes back? Oh, you know, serious a couple question. Of years ago, I had one. And I was like, "This is okay." Yeah, I, I, I it's I been just, years for me. But the last time I tried one, I remember when I was younger, I was like, "Oh yeah, throw some extra pickles and onions on the thing." Oh, they were the best. And the <laughs> last time I tried one, it's probably been a, a at least a year, if not a couple of years now. And I almost, I was gagging while I tried to eat it. It was, it grossed me out it's so like, much. It's shaped like a rib, but it's just like ground up pork formed into a rib shape with some yeah. barbecue sauce And it's it. just this weird, like smushy texture. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, maybe you got a raw one. I don't know. Well, who knows? I had enough barbecue sauce <laughs> on it and pickles that I was happy, but... But no, the <laughs> the news so we now had. I want one. Now I want one. Yeah, I, I am hungry. We're getting McRibs, guys. We're getting McRibs. <laughs> um, no, the big news is that the NES Classic Edition is getting re-released this June. Yeah. And the SNES Classic Edition is not too far behind, apparently. Correct? It, that's what they're saying. And the interesting thing, when I saw some stories on this pop up earlier, I was looking at it and I thought, oh, this is cool. I wonder if they're going to have enough where people can get them. Granted... <laughs> 
they sold so fast last time, you know, there wasn't a huge supply of them. So I'm hoping that now people maybe have, you know, a lot of the people, the diehards that really wanted them have them. And a lot of people maybe have kind of been jaded by it a little bit. Like, I'm not even going to bother. So maybe can sneak and pick one up, but it's going to come out. Yeah. It's going to come in. I think it was 59 bucks again on that one. And the interesting thing in the article though, or one of the articles I read about it, they said, oh, the SNES Classic has been readily available this whole time, but they will continue to sell that one. And I thought, readily available where? I mean, I, I constantly, anytime I'm in a store, be it a, a Walmart, Target, a GameStop, mm. when I'm looking for those old controllers and third-party stuff, and mm. you know, no, no matter where I go, Best Buy, I never have seen these things in the wild anywhere. And it's like, I don't know who they're talking about as far as having them be readily available, but certainly nowhere near anywhere I've been. But it is a good chance for those who are were hoping to get one to maybe be able to snap one up. And hopefully they were smart and are putting out a lot of these so that, you know, they can kind of kill off that eBay market where they're selling for 300 bucks for this silly little system. But Yep. Well, and that forces people over to their, you know, like the Raspberry Pi. Oh, yeah. Classic, you know. Those kind of things, too. Yep, the retro pie stuff. And um, the cool. the one question, I because I'm trying to remember, do you remember, uh, it's been so long, with the NES uh, Classic Edition, what were the games on there? Some of the highlights? Oh, uh, I have to Google that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, and off the that, top of my head, don't make you, don't mean to make you do extra okay, here work. here we go. So here. it's got Super Mario Brothers for yep. starters, and then it's got Donkey Kong, Super Mario 3, Legend of Zelda, Donkey Kong, Mega Man 2, Pac-Man, Final Fantasy, Metroid... Castlevania, the original. Oh, it's got Super Mario 2. They just didn't put it in order. And I'm looking oh. at Nintendo.com here. I don't know why <laughs> would they put go. that in order. Right. Dr. Mario, Punch-Out, Ice Climber, Excite Bike, Kid Icarus, Zelda 2, Tecmo Bowl, of course, Galaga. So answer answer this then. If you, were, you walked into your local gaming store, electronic store, whatever it is, and you see on the, on the shelves in front of you, you've got... A number of these in front of you so you've got time to sit and think about it for a minute it's not like someone's standing right behind you gonna grab the last one you see both the uh, nes classic and the snes classic sitting there and you you're gonna buy one of them which which one do you go with based on the game selection huh or do you just say screw it and buy both <laughs> i'd love to have both they're very cool <laughs> yeah. um of course a lot of this is nostalgia you know what i mean so it's the NES Classic Edition, that, that, that's the one I had as a kid. The, I right. did have an SNES when I was a teenager, but yep. that NES Classic, I'd probably get that one first. Just I, I was thinking that when you read through that list, if for nothing else, other than the fact that I know the original you know, Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3 would still be playable and still be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have, you know, fired those up. My old uh, actual NES, my nephew's got it. And he he inherited somehow all of my old gaming systems for the most part as I got new ones and decided just to, you know, I wasn't using these ones. I just gave a lot of them to him. And he still got that that original NES and a lot of those games for it. And so I can't I can't get him to give them give them back to me though. Now that's the problem. <laughs> but I, I have when I've been out there visiting and stuff, I have sat down and, and played a little bit of Mario and um, you know, Mario two and some of those, and they, they are still fun because of the, the nature of those games. And, you know, yep. they're very simplistic graphic wise, but they're still a lot of fun. And I think for that, well, and they reason, were hard too. Yeah. Yep. And it, it's, it's a little like the SNES classic there, you know, Mario Kart on there would be great. 
that had a Mario world. And there's a couple yeah. other real big games, but a lot of these games on there, like Star Fox 2 and you know, some of these different things like that. I didn't really have a lot of interest in or the the role players like um I forget what was on there, but Final nothing Fantasy. that really, yeah. yeah. Well, it, there was no the, Final the, Fantasy on there, was there, on the SNES? I thought it was like uh, Secret the of The SNES Classic has a Final Fantasy three. Oh, it does have that, okay. Yep, and then Super Street Fighter, or Street Fighter Two Turbo, of course, and yeah. Punch-Out, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, F-Zero. There's, there's some pretty good games in that one, too. That's, yeah, I, you know, honestly, I hate to say it, but I might just have to you know, blow my allowance for the whole month and <laughs> <laughs> pick up both of them, but... Uh, Your wife lets you spend money on this stuff? Well, no, I would have to hide oh. it. Oh, okay. This old thing? This is from when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was bigger. No, no. <laughs> you were just smaller back then. <laughs> you know, my in-laws still have an original Super Nintendo in their basement. Oh, yeah? Hooked to a tube hooked to a tube TV. Yeah. I, I know. Like I said, my nephew, he's got uh, the original NES that we had. It was mine and my sister's growing up, uh, my two younger sisters. And the SNES, he has that. He has my Dreamcast. He has a GameCube. He has, what else does he have? One other system down there. Oh, he's got a Wii, I think, still too, but that wasn't mine. That was, his mom got him that when he was older. But yeah, the little little stinker though, well, he's not little, he's 18 and as tall as I am, but he won't, uh, he won't let me take him home. (laughs) Come on now, kid. Come on. Switching over to some different gaming news here now. Mm -hmm. Um. Based on an article from Engadget, Google's apparently backing a new social network called Arcade. So yeah. maybe not... Is this actually game-focused, or is this... You know, they didn't really say a ton about it, other than that this was developed as social part... Social games. Yeah, social games. It's going to have a lot of... It says elements of trivia games at its core. But basically, um, Google, when you're working there, they've got a something they call... Um, uh, side project assistant area 120 and what it is is they have employees spend 20 percent of their time while you work at google that are, they're just working on passion projects and this is something <laughs> that'd that, be awesome yeah right <laughs> i mean this is something that came out of that environment where this uh creator michael Sayman um apparently was originally invited to facebook as a 17 year old by mark zuckerberg say man uh, yeah, say, man, could you uh, put together an app for us here? <laughs> no. uh, but it's, it says it's a video-centric social app uh, for teens he created called LifeStage when he was 19. Now he's creating a social gaming startup called Arcade, which, um, you know, they're, they're not really saying too much about it. It's set to debut this summer, so, you know, we should see more about that soon. But it sounds like the... Um, the games in there, they're not going to be connected to any current social networks, which is nice. It's not like you're going to get just Facebook games over on this thing or you know anything like that. Um, you create accounts using your phone number, I guess, which in today's privacy concerns, you know, everyone has to make that decision for themselves. But I'm kind of curious about this because I think it's a you know potentially fun way to play some of these. You know, you're laying in bed just killing a half hour before you know getting tired while you're getting ready to go to bed or whatever. Or, you know sitting on the crapper if you're Jason or, you know. <laughs> Yep, it's probably where he is right now. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. But it, it, depending on what's out there, especially a lot of these trivia-type games, uh, I, I myself, I, I love trivia, and so it's kind of fun if you can, you know, just challenge your friends, be like, hey, I got 10 minutes, let's play a round of uh, such and such, you know, and do a little movie trivia or something, you know, back and forth or, you know, whatever it is. So interesting little development. We'll see what comes of it. Cool. Tough part is it's so hard for any new social network to actually 
you know, make a dent and, and gain market share. I mean, what well, was I'm, it? Go ahead. I'm wondering if it is actually a complete new social network or if it's just kind of a well, hey, log, log into this cool thing with your Google account or your. Yeah, I mean, it, the the way they play. the way they describe it here, it says it is going to be a, a, its own app and, um, you know, its own game uh, social gaming startup. So. Okay. It is a startup company, so but I, you look at like Vero, that that true social media app that came out. We talked about it a little while back, and very shaky. You know, everyone was all on board at first, and then kind of the shaky stuff about the you know CEO or whatever came out, and all of a sudden you just it just disappeared. You don't you know don't hear anything about it. I know a few people. I still have my account on there, and I I open it up like once every month or mm. something. People are still posting a little bit here and there, but I'm not seeing a ton about it. So it, it probably okay. will just find it. You know, this one here will find a niche with the the gaming market and hopefully take off. To, you know, enough where it can stay around if it's cool. So we'll have to see what sure. happens with it. Interesting. Speaking of cool stuff, yeah. Um, there's an article I posted into the show notes, and I said cool gear alert. So theverge.com <laughs> they put out this graduation gift guide, and as it is May, and there's some graduation stuff coming up, they had this kind of cool, just plain gift guide yeah and one of the things they have a mjolnir toolbox that i thought looked pretty cool <laughs> yeah that's pretty meow, sweet meow. looking meow, meow. um so if you follow this link they've got all kinds of different items and different price ranges that this is just kind of a, a neat guide for you know if you can't think of what to get somebody for graduation i like that the first thing is a cast iron skillet yeah it's nothing right. to do with tech but it could be soup related yeah because um, you might you might want to toast some seasonings in there or something well but, you um, can make a killer small this it looks like a small size at around 16 bucks they're saying smaller size skillet but you can make like a personal pan size killer deep dish pizza in there absolutely cast a iron if, for you, one. if you have never cooked in cast iron it's awesome oh it's no, so nothing good. sears like cast iron but no. they've got some other really good cool things in here so depending on your price range these atomic uh uh, earplugs, Exploding Kittens card game, which is actually very, very fun. Um, yeah. My wife and I bought this one, and as far as um, <laughs> laughing during the game, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, microfiber claws. They've got all kinds of cool stuff in here, and as you scroll down the list, the prices kind of go up. But there's some really unique stuff in here. One of the things that's in here is the Instant Pot Duo. Yeah. Um, as Dave is aware, I got one of these for my birthday last weekend, and it is awesome. I'm probably going to do some kind of review. Um, yes, as far do as it. You're going to make me hungry again technology. now. I'll have, to, I'll have to cook something good in there. Um, but they've got a lot of unique gifts in here that I have not seen before. Uh, the NASA Graphic Standards Manual poster. Like I said, the uh, the Thor hammer toolbox. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and what's cool is it uses a real hammer as as the handle. Do you of see course. that in the picture? That's I mean, yep. it's Pop functional. that out and... Yeah, very absolutely. cool. Yeah, this is a great list. You know, I, I kind of... Am, uh, Kind of kicking myself though, because I remember was it this past Christmas or the year before? Well, it must have been last like this past Christmas. We had done a digital soup gift guide for Christmas, and we were a little mm-hmm. late getting it out there. If you remember, it was like a week or two before yep. only. We we should have been on top of this. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we need to start <laughs> scouring and putting together our own digital soup gift guide for stuff. So <laughs> well, may- we did do that one for what was it Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was right after we started the show. Yeah, yeah. One of the early what episodes. Was it Jason said you gotta get this little camera that your your 
your your partner can swallow and help them check out their insides for a health checkup. <laughs> Just all kinds yeah. of great gift ideas. Yeah, well, he was, was also that other so, one that was really funny. In there? Was, I think that's the one that we should look up that episode <laughs> and link people to it because he, he said something about, what well, I usually just run down and grab one of those paper funnels from the gas station for oil. <laughs> Get that and some Funyuns oh. or something. Yeah, we need to find that episode. We'll see if we can go back and link that That's in the show notes. Episode for you guys. six, my nerdy Valentine. Oh, awesome! Oh, what the heck did he have in there? Yeah, it, oh, it, it was hilarious. Link that up for listeners because I mean, it, we we laughed about it, Jason and I, last week because we kind of referenced back to I think it was episode eighteen or something where we had talked about Utomic initially, and I had went back and listened to that episode a little bit, and it's so funny to to hear us. I mean, not that we're some you know NPR studio, you know radio produced. We're not you know experts at this now but we've come a long way and we weren't horrible back then either but you can hear how it gas just, station gift guide yeah <laughs> it's just it was so funny to hear us and that one is a great one to call back to yeah I mean, we definitely yeah. need to, right. to do that but i i think you know i don't know if we can put together a graduation guide techie and geek related maybe we can yeah, it might be a little late, and we've got this one in here. But. This one's here, but maybe uh, you know the the next holiday is what Father's Day and uh, my yep, birthday for June. Oh, hey, cool. So I will I will put a gift guide together for you guys on <laughs> <laughs> yep. what to get. Yeah, gas Dave. station oil funnels and yes, all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's nice. it's a very cool list. The one thing I was looking at on here, I mean, they like you said, it's such a a varied list from price ranges, you know. What do they say? It starts out at like fifteen bucks up to, um, you know, three hundred plus, mm-hmm. and you know some of the stuff. Yeah, it's real expensive when you start getting into you know the electronics and phones and uh, Nintendo Switch and stuff like that, watches. But the one thing I thought was it, it, they they listed as being you know a thousand dollars plus, but this just goes to show that that the guys at the Verge here, and this is you know maybe a plug for them, even though we're not affiliated at all. But the one thing that jumped out at me in those lists, on this list was a financial planner, and it's a roll of $20 bills there. And it, mm. it is something to think about, though, when you get that high school student, when we, you know, coming out of school, I never had anyone talk to or me. college about, grad, yeah. Yeah, college grad, too. And, you know, just a, a good way to help them get set up with something, you know, someone that can help them really look at beginning to get their finances in order as, as an adult, so... Yeah, I should so, probably look into one now that I'm almost 40. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I turned <sighs> this, this summer. and... Just oh, over man. a month, I hit that big four zero. So crazy, yeah. But it's like it's a great town. guide. The Verge did a nice job on this list, I think. So yeah. it's a great so find. Definitely for you, check Adam. that out. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna switch topics here a little bit because I didn't have a you know with Jason being gone, our our discussions are going a little bit quicker. Yeah. And I wanted to ha- I wanted to have a little photography discussion with you. Uh, I'm not sure how much you've done with Reddit uh, or how familiar you are with it, but um, Reddit has, and I'm gonna link this into our show notes right now, so you can click on it and take a look at what I'm looking sure. at. Sure. They've got a, a subreddit called Earth Porn, mm-hmm. and you know it sounds stupid because it's they call it porn, but it's really really nice shots of the planet Earth. So, sure, it, not just like the 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 globe itself, but any location. You know, it's basically right. landscape photography. Check it out. Um, one of the things that I notice in my feed is all there's always you know uh, pictures showing up in here that are really stunning photos, mm-hmm. and then more and more I'm seeing. People ask, is that really the color of this place? Yeah. And then somebody else will post, no, I live here. This is the actual color. Yeah. And then they post a picture and I'm just like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) 
because we so we have uh, there was one last earlier this week that had um this beautiful picture over the tops of mountains mm-hmm. and it was like purple mountains majesty it was just a gorgeous shot and i was like oh sure. man i wish i could be there and look at that and then of course somebody's like is that really the color mm-hmm. and someone else is like no here's a real picture i was just <laughs> so disappointed because so why is it and as and you're a landscape photographer as well, right? Or outdoor photographer as well as indoor and all this stuff, right? But people have this propensity to go and s- manipulate their photos to the point where things aren't even looking natural anymore. It's like I want to make this into the new avatar-looking photo. Yeah, and I remember seeing one where it got laughed off, <laughs> laughed out of the forum basically because. Mm-hmm. Even the rocks and stuff, when you zoomed in on them, were blue. They had tinted everything so much to try to get the right. water to look that kind of blue-green. Right. Um, what's your take on that as as a as a photographer that does a lot of outdoor stuff? Because when I look mm-hmm. at your photos, I don't see oversaturated colors no. and all this stuff trying to like make something out of it that it's not. I, I see tasteful yeah. enhancements, and I do the same with mm-hmm. myself in um, in Lightroom and everything, but not to the point where it's... I've changed the color so much it looks right. like it doesn't even exist in reality. Yeah, and that that can be blamed. I mean, how do I how do I put this cuz I don't want to um put out the idea that there's any right or wrong way to do anything. You know, when when it comes to photography, obviously, the caveat to everything I'm about to say is that, you know, to each their own, if it's your art and it's what makes you happy, knock yourself out. I think the distinction needs to come in where they, you know, if you're going to do some crazy edits and some different things like that and really go all, I mean, you see people that will take a ton of time replacing skies. They shoot in this, you know, hugely over-processed HDR tone mapped um, style that just crazy amounts of saturation and, and doing all these different things because it's popular, it's trendy. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times what these photographers are doing, in my opinion, is they're doing this out of either A, they're trying to chase a trend they've seen online on some social media account because those types of photographs are what is getting the likes. It's you know it's what's going to grab attention. Um, or B, they just maybe don't know any better. So they, they remember that sky being blue when they were there. So rather than realize that there is no such thing as a sky that's ever that blue or water that's ever that blue, in their mind, they're like, Oh yeah, it was super blue. So let me ramp it up even more, and it becomes this almost neon, crazy-looking stuff when it's not done <laughs> well. And I think it, you know, sometimes comes from a place of just lack of experience. I mean, I've got plenty of photos um, I could dig up of early processing I did on stuff. And actually, I wrote an article about it a while back on my on my journal on my website there, um, kind of walking people through, you know, what 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 it's like chasing trends and that we've all done it as photographers, mm-hmm. you know, editing trends and stuff like that. But honestly, See, I, I look at the HDR stuff as mm-hmm. more of it's you're actually going for that style. You know, that's that's not a right. I'm gonna try to manipulate this into making it look like I was over in yep. where Thor lives. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and there's a big distinction to be made too, because HDR in and of itself isn't necessarily the look that people think of when they hear the term HDR. HDR itself, just high dynamic range is what it stands for. Mm-hmm. And really all it's- all contrast levels at the same time. Right. And really all it's doing is taking the camera's ability, which is much more limited than the human eye, and allowing it, you're, you're bracketing a number of shots to capture detail in the shadows all the way through the highlights. What gets ugly with it, my personal opinion, is when people do that, 
and they they eliminate all shadows and light and everything so the the photo is kind of flat it loses interest but the process then that usually quickly follows in most of your editing programs of HDR is a process called tone mapping and that's where you get those really like cartoony painterly looks you get these crazy colors that are super saturated and they were really big for a while and mm -hmm. just something i just never got into i myself like you said I, I don't really do a lot of that my colors i do play a lot with color and mood in my images mm -hmm. but it's very subtle um you know it's it's sure. helping to bring in a realistic feeling of warm sunshine or if you're at night or you know twilight or you're you know trying to give a mood where it's a little colder it's a little blue you know down depressed feeling whatever it is i love playing with color it's so powerful but I can't make myself take my images to that point anymore because it just, they, they feel gross to me. And that's not sure. to say that if, if, you know, anyone listeners as a photographer, if that's your thing and you love that style, knock yourself out because we each have our own tastes and everything else. But I, I think a lot of that, it, I don't know how to put it. it. It boils down to people. They just do it because they can and they think yeah. it looks good. And I hate to say it, but I, I deal with this here locally with photographers, a handful of them, where I can put up my work, and I'm proud of my work for the most part. I mean, I'm, I'm always hard on myself and want to do better, but overall, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm pretty competent um, on, behind a camera, and I'll put work out there that, you know, it's a shot maybe I'm, I'm really proud of, or I just made something, I'm excited about it, and It'll, you know, if it posts it up on social media, it'll get a few likes, but nothing major. And then I'll see other, other photographers locally put up some of this work in that style, these crazy, crazy things. And it's, it, it, it's not my they're, thing. They're getting more likes. Oh yeah. And they because just, it the, the, stands out and people are like, Ooh. Oh yeah. Ooh, pretty shiny because the, the average person who's not a photographer looks at that and thinks that's what makes a good photo. They don't know any better. And they just see something that looks so out of this world, crazy different that they just assume it must be better. And it, it's yeah. frustrating as a photographer. And I think that's why a lot of photographers yeah. do that and decide to go that route because you, you get addicted to the likes and the follows and the, you know, the popularity that comes with it. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing about the, that subreddit that I'm talking about. There's a lot of photographers that look at it and they're just calling out BS. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, foliage isn't really that color in real life. So right. what'd you do to this thing? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I made it look cool. You want to see a good example of this, um, go check out the, the social network uh, called 500px. And when you look at 500 PX, that's exactly what, I mean, you, there's a look that this 500 PX look when you, I mean, some of the work there is, I mean, no doubt about it. It is amazing. They're, these, these people that are doing it, they're extremely talented and editing and everything else, but there's a lot of it. If you look like in their landscapes category, you're going to see a lot of this look where it's super, super processed. Some of it's fairly nat, you know, natural looking. Sure. But a lot of it can can have this look to it that's, you know, this HDR yeah. replacing skies, you know, you'll have just sure. crazy stuff happening. Well, at and, some point, some of this is just, it's art yeah. too. So I guess I have to think about it that way. It's yeah. not just, how come you're, I, I can't honestly expect every, it's like when I do an audio recording it's, right. and I tweak something, mm -hmm. it's no different than that really, exactly. I guess, in some way to, to do corrections and and subtle manipulations of, of a mix. Right. I just found it really interesting that, you know, there's, it's almost the way that some of the stuff is presented. It's, 
you know, this is how this really looks. And it makes you want to go visit that place. And then you're right. going to be disappointed when you see it because mm-hmm. it doesn't look anything like what somebody did in Lightroom or Photoshop to it. Right. And, and I think, you know, for myself and, and for most photographers, as, as you start understanding what your preferences are, you start to find your own voice on how you like your images to look. And you start being able to look at these and say, okay, well, that's clearly been you know, pushed in this direction or that direction, a lot of post-processing or, you know, sometimes, and it's not to say that that's bad. I've seen some images that are landscape and and stuff like that, that are very, very highly post-processed, but look very natural still. Mm -hmm. And they're beautiful. And the thing is, is the only time that that really bothers me is when people will come out like that. They'll do this crazy over the top stuff. I mean, they're replacing a sky from, you, you know, Montana, the big open skies and, you know, amazing stuff. And they're putting that on a skyline in say, you know, Wisconsin. And it's like, well, that's fine. If you want to do that, it is digital art to each their own. And and it's not something I do much, but at the same time, it's really, I just don't like it. I dislike it when they try and they get so mad if someone calls them out on it and they try and pass it off as if it was, this is how I took it right out of camera because it's it, then, then they're lying to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think people should have to disclose like, Hey, I composited this or, Oh, I did this technique. Right. That's what you do. But just don't claim that it's, you know, at the same time, you don't have to disclose everything, but you also don't have to brag about getting it right in camera when it's clearly not what happened. I think some of the annoying trends on, on Reddit too, though, are also, I spent six hours hiking up a mountain both yep. ways at 4 a.m. to get this shot. Yep. And Good then for you. boom. And then it's, that's, that's nice. Um, yeah. It doesn't you know make it any better or there, worse of a photo. There, right. And there's nothing worth doing is ever super easy either. No. So don't make it, what do you want? Pity? Yeah, I like your picture. Do you want anything else? Right, you know, right. Like, and, oh, you're also really good at hiking. Yeah, and, and I mean, <laughs> really good at hiking. I like that. I, I think that's going to be my comment when I see those from now on. Like, wow, <laughs> you're really good at hiking. <laughs> you're really good at finding a place to stand still. Right. I mean, and I'm but, all for putting in the effort to get off the beaten trail, look for things that maybe people you know, viewpoints and and scenes and everything, go for it. I I do the same in my work. But the fact is, and I learned this quite some time ago, that no matter what amount of effort it took me to get in position to make that photograph, the average viewer could care less. Some people might be interested to hear the story like, wow, that's a crazy story, you know, whatever else. But for the most part, no one cares. I mean, I I had a a chance, this is on the flip side of this argument. I'm not really argument. This could be easily an argument and, and listeners definitely we don't want to start a big fight here because some people get very passionate about this subject. I've learned over the years, um, discussions I've had on shutter time and they've been railed by, by listeners at times because this very topic. And, but the one, one example I had a chance a while back to go join Mac over there on shutter time because, uh, Sid, the, the other co-host was unable to be on and he was interviewing, um, this woman. She's a, amazing photographer and digital artist. Her name is Renee Robin. And she does, everything she does is these, well, not everything, but most of what she does and what she makes a a extremely good living doing is digital uh, composites where she's basically spending months out of the year traveling all over the world, photographing backdrops and elements and different things that she'll then take and shoot people in a studio or outside or whatever, and then spend hours and days just 
putting these images together to make these kind of surreal fantasy looking things, or she's done a lot of military work, um, some really beautiful work. And that's great, but she's not claiming that this was how it was. You know what I mean? And, right, and right. my hat's off to those artists that can do it and make it look good. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a big pet peeve of mine when people do that and they claim it's real and then they get so defensive when you question them on it, you know, is that really how red that is? Or, you know, was the sky really that saturated at sunset? And it's like, well, no, you know, but at the same time, that's, that's the, you know, there, there is a side of it that comes down to the artist's interpretation of it. You as a photographer make those choices because you want to represent that scene in the best way you can to, to share your vision, I guess, of what right. that moment was. So. Right. So, and so that, I mean, I don't really know what I'm arguing about at this point, but just kind of, it was interesting to discuss that a little yeah. bit because I'm, I'm torn between, you know what, stop trying to fake me out right. versus, Hey, that's really cool artwork that you did with that photo to make right. it look like that. How did you do? Cause I've seen people, you know, you apply a different style of black and white with kind of mm-hmm. a different filter on it Yep. and you can change the entire way a picture looks. Oh yeah. And it's still an accurate representation of the light that was there. It's just, you're seeing it through a different you right. Know, yep. I mean, way, if so. you put a, you know, a yellow filter on or, or a green filter or something, you just look at the at a blue sky at the difference it makes compared to putting a red filter on and right. you, you slap a red filter on a black and white photo and that sky is going to go almost black looking. That blue is going to turn almost the black. The sky's turned black. <laughs> Where the black hole uh, sun comes in. Exactly. <laughs> it, hey, it's let's, crazy. Let's switch it up now a little bit. Switch. Um, we're going to switch. From, now we talk photography. Let's talk a little bit about music. Yeah. Um, according to a 2017 blog post on North Central University's website, music itself and just the notes, not lyrics, can cause both the left and right sides of your brain to light up simultaneously, which can maximize learning and improve memory, according to uh, Dr. Godkin there. Mm-hmm. Um, so does music help you focus? And this is this is really interesting because to me, there's times where it does and there's times where I need silence. I don't know if you find it to be similar or not, but um, wh- what are your thoughts on this? And then they also have an article here that talk about the best things you can listen to for uh, while you're working. I was looking at this article and I really like this and it's something I need to read into a little more. I was just trying to find the name of a book I had um, read part of years ago, a couple of years ago, and I can't remember what it was called, but something to do with, with um, the language of music or how it, how it affects the brain. Basically it was done by a a researcher. That's a, you know, a a neuroscientist that also, um, is a musician and stuff, but I, you know, that it's an interesting article because of what they say about the lyrics. And that's the key. Really. I rarely find that I need something totally silent to work mainly sure. might be because as a drummer for with, you know, that that's been drumming my whole life and didn't use hearing protection for a lot of it. Sometimes I just background noise is just always there for me. And I just, it just white noise. I drown it out. And, and not that that's a, a good thing, but it mm-hmm. is what it is. Sure. And, but I do know that I have a real hard time is interesting. You know, I agree hundred percent with what they say about the lyrics, because if there's a song that's either a uh, got lyrics that catch me or B even simpler, if there's a, a good rhythm, a, a good groove to the song that will distract me just as easily as lyrics will. And mm-hmm. if it's just kind of that mellow, I mean, we talked again, many episodes ago about music we listened to. Um, like the folk and Americana type stuff. That's just kind of good background music. 
that kind of stuff, yep. it all sounds the same, and I can I can just put it on, have it going in the background, and not be distracted one bit by it. Oh, I agree. There's there's certain tunes that I, I can put on. If, so if I'm doing like web work, for instance, right? Um, there's an old band that I like to listen to called Stars of Track and Field, and they've got this mm. song called Antarctica. It's all now. When you say you old band, even, how old are you talking? Uh, early two thousands. Okay, okay. So it's not <laughs> so like not 60s. classic rock yet. Okay. But, um, you know, it's it's pretty atmospheric. Is kind of what I'm looking at as right. far as they can have a rhythm, but not like something that makes you bob your head. It's sure. more of, it's more of that background noise. And I actually, I didn't catch up to this part in the article where it talks about once you start listening to music with lyrics in there, they can start to get in the way of the productivity because you begin to focus on them. That's my problem. I can't listen yeah. to songs that have, you know, I, I can't turn on the radio and, and enjoy that while I'm working. I've, right. I had coworkers that have done it in in the office where I'm just silently trying to keep that all out. <laughs> so I'll put some headphones on or I'd sneak over there and shut off her radio and she wasn't looking. Right. But um, yeah, there's there's certain tunes that you can turn on. In fact, there's also certain tunes that can put you to sleep. Um, I think scientists found one of the one of the best songs to fall asleep to was a song called Weightless by Marconi Union. Let me see if I spelled that or if I said that right. Marconi Union, Weightless. This was one of the uh, the most relaxing songs of all time. And yeah. it's kind of this electronica, um, it's eight minutes long and it just kind of starts off with this deep thump, like a, and then just kind of fades in with some really atmospheric stuff. Almost uh, so like the old trans, yeah. trans techno type. Yeah. Trance. Yeah. Trans, trans. Sorry. Trans. <laughs> don't, don't <laughs> <Yeah>. mind me. <laughs> I'm, I'm. Yeah, never mind. Trance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you can send that hate mail to Jason at Digital Soup. <laughs> yep, that was Jason. No, Trance Techno, yeah. Yep. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm sorry for calling you out. On no, I'm glad you did. I don't want to be insulting to anyone. That's not uh, not where I was going with that. It just did not come out of my mouth how I meant it to. But yeah, but yeah it, it's almost it's almost trance-like where it, it lulls you to sleep with its rhythm. Which yeah. is, you know, it's also weird. Sometimes you can, I don't know if you've ever fallen asleep to loud like either oh, rock yeah. or whatever All the but time. sometimes it just it almost puts you in that same state of like ah, well and constant. see let me ask you do you find a difference between listening to music that you're trying to focus on versus versus listening to music to just relax and fall asleep to oh yeah because I mean yeah two different beasts for me because the relaxing part the the, the focusing part I know Spotify has some great playlists for relaxation and this article actually gets pretty specific when you look at it about, you know, tempo of 60 to 70 beats per minute might help you focus for longer periods of time. Um, there's information about the volume, you know, having it not too loud, but loud enough so you're not struggling to hear it. Um, cause if it's too loud, it's distracting. If it's too low and you're struggling to hear it, then your detention again is multitasking, which, um, you know, a lot of studies are showing doesn't work, but talking about music to fall asleep to it is common i'll throw on headphones and my wife will be snoring away and, and sound asleep beside me and i'll throw on headphones and i'll throw on like some of my favorite rock albums you know metallica rush i'll, I'll listen to you know all kinds of stuff i mean not sure. only rock but even louder music and i listen to it loud and i can just feel myself my mind just relaxes and kind of this will sound very hippie-ish but it's it's not but it's okay you know, man yeah, I mean, it's just like you feel that music, and maybe it's just a musician thing, but you just feel it kind of 
enter in and in 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 a matter of moments when i'm just laying there relaxed uh, you know i can feel the music in my toes you know and it's just the sure. the rhythms are going through you and you just can really zone into that setup and you're you know just hearing and experiencing the music is really a, a relaxing thing that I, I use a lot when I'm just trying to fall asleep. And but I, it doesn't have to be like classical music. Right. And in fact, classical can throw me when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. Um, I'll say, you know, I don't intentionally try to do what you do with, you know, crank it up and, and listen. But there have been times where I've cranked it. I've mm -hmm. laid down. I've got the music cranked. And kind of maybe a different way to say what you're saying. I don't know if this sounds right. But it almost, the music itself almost turns into like a white noise. In a sense, where, yeah. where you're just kind of, it's there, you're, you're, you're listening to it and you are fully relaxed, even though you're hearing all this stuff. Um, one of the things that I, I've been doing, so, you know, I play Skyrim yeah, and I really love the soundtrack on that. So on my Amazon prime, I found they've got the full soundtrack. Oh, nice. oh, cool. So I'm playing this and it's just the most relaxing stuff. And then all of a sudden it'll switch to the next song, which is like a dragon. And you're like, yeah. ah, that's what gets Talk me about with like movie shock. scores. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yep. Movie scores. You know, I, I, I always thought, oh, I'll listen to this movie scores. They're nice and relaxing. Even at work, you know, this would be great background music. Nope, right. nope, nope. Because you do find that, yeah, this is nice and focused. And then all of a sudden it kicks in and Batman's right. battling Bane on, you know, Main Street Gotham. And you're, yep. you're oh, feeling like you're getting into it. You yep. know, it's bringing you up. Now, I will say one of my buddies, Tim, uh, he introduced me to go on YouTube and any like 80s movies that you really liked. Like he showed me The Goonies. You can find their full soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's music only. And this a lot of this stuff you know, it's eighties and it's just fantastic. So right. um, that's always another option. But like you just mentioned, when they score movies, they're scoring for different scenes. And because right. movies have, you know, a lot of different, <laughs> different they things going to, on, it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll take you from like nice, relaxing to horrifying in right. 10 seconds. So. Much like color in photos. It's the Whoa. same concept. See, came full it's, circle. There. It's the HDR of music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this oh. article though, I mean, I really, really like this article because the, the book I was thinking of, I did look this up while you're talking, it's called This Is Your Brain on Music. And um, it's a hard read because it's written by a scientist, but it's it's um, basically, it's a, the summary of it says, in this groundbreaking union of art and science, rocker turned neuroscientist Daniel J. Levitin explores the connection between music, uh, its performance, its composition, how we listen to it, why we enjoy it and the human brain. And nice. so it's, you know, draws on musical examples, research showing how it impacts the mind, why we're emotionally attached to the music we listen to as teenagers, you know, be it Fleetwood Mac, U2, Dr. Dre, they give some examples there. And it kind of just really breaks this down. It's kind of a, it's an interesting read. It's not a, you know, a page turner flip through, going to read it quick, but really an interesting read. And this article really reminds me of that a lot. And did you look at the list of the most effective? Because you said there was a section here that said the certain most recommended types of music for focusing, or was it just I didn't that? see it on there. Oh, okay. I thought it just the, says, let's see here. I know they talk about like classical music and oddly EDM, electronic dance music. Now, I yep. don't know. I use that when I work out a lot. Well, maybe that's what they're talking about. With Could be. Examples. Yeah, and that, that does help me focus in my workouts. But again, as a drummer... And I'll be out running and I've tried running to like EDM and stuff like that. And it's great because it's usually at a good tempo. So you, you know, if you start running to the beat kind of, it keeps you at a, at a good pace. 
But then I find like a lot of those songs, they always build up and then there's that bridge where it like goes half time, you know, something like that. <laughs> and I'll, I'll find all of a sudden I'm running slow motion with these, you know, big heavy footfalls to the beat and then I'm going faster sure. again. That That's just the, I think the drummer in me that I just... I mean, I do all these yep. weird things. My wife drives her crazy. Well, she's used to it now, but she used to pick on me all the time because if I'm driving down the road with music going, I will turn my blinkers on in sync with the beat <laughs> on there. I'll flip my highs, you know, my, my headlights high to low in sync with the beat <laughs> of the music. And I don't even realize yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm a steering wheel tapper. I've got to oh, be the yeah. most annoying person to be in a car. Yeah, I, I'm constantly legs bouncing, toes tapping, fingers yep. tapping on a desk, all all this kind of stuff. It's nonsense. Got restless leg syndrome, Dave. I, I've it, Yeah, it's just drummer <laughs> syndrome. I can't hey, stop um, moving. Do you know what time it is? I do. It's about time for... It's time for a geek off. <laughs> we've got the we've got the sound effects back at the end. We were kind of bummed last week. We had no I heard no Adam Adam noises at the end, but yep, you know noises. we're running into the same thing this week as Jason and I did last week, where you know we we've got it's kind of hard to have a geek off of when there's the two debate guys aren't aren't here at the same time. So what I thought we'd do, Jason and I started talking about it last week. And, you know, I was going to, going to pose this question to you and just maybe, uh, think about just some of the top, you know, top couple things since we've, we've got the episode getting pretty long already, but when you were in your teens, in your early twenties, give me a couple, just a handful. We'll, we'll kind of save this conversation for Jason a little bit too, but give me an idea. What are some of the, the music? What is some of the go-to tracks when you think of that era of your life that would kind of define you know, who, what, what you went to all the time, what was your, what was your go-to hmm. with the music? Uh, probably in late teens, early twenties, third eye blind was one of my favorites as far as bands really? went. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but their what was their first album that came out? Uh, was it not semi-charm jumper it, and it, all of it that? Was, it was the album that had that, what was it called? And then they had, um, let's see. I think it was just called Third Eye Blind. And then they, their yeah. Blue album came out yeah. you know, a couple of years later. And I really liked, I don't know why I really liked Third Eye Blind a lot. And a lot of it was had to do with the, the lyrics that, that he had on, because um, they they didn't quite make perfect sense, but they were also pretty pretty deep, I thought, <laughs> at that yeah. age. There was, Fairly there was some good too, songs. Right? It, it wasn't the songs that were that had all the radio play that I really liked the yeah. most. They had one that was called Motorcycle Drive-By in the background. Mm -hmm. And um, the background was one of my favorite ones. You know, it's, I'm in the background. and um, So those were like when I, because I was going to college in Mankato at the time, when I would drive up north home, mm -hmm. which is about a five hour, five and a half hour trip. Right. Um, that would be my, my go-to album. I, smoke cigarettes and listen to third eye blind and I'd switch that out and listen to splendor. That was another band that I really liked. So I got, oh, I liked I like the late nineties, early two thousands, alt rock stuff quite a lot. Yeah. Borderline um, pop rock. Wouldn't you say pop? Yeah. A lot of it was kind of, kind of getting there. Like vertical horizon was kind of in that same. There, yeah. There's a couple of their, their songs that, um, he's everything you want. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Yeah. Um, there were some other ones that were out there counting blue cars, um, let's see what was up. What was their big song? That's Dishwallow, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Counting Blue Song, Counting yeah, Blue Cars yeah. was the song. The song by, by Dishwallow. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm I, I never. I wasn't really into hard rock stuff. 
See, um, I started young there. Sure. I, I have to admit, and I don't know why my parents let me listen to it, but I mean, I remember being mm-hmm. in like fifth and sixth grade and getting, you know, into Metallica and Megadeth and sure. You know, all these bands like that. But I also still, I didn't love country, but I would listen to some country and a lot of like the local radio station here, you'll know it. You know, listeners probably won't, but it's WTBX. Uh, yep. It's just a, a 93.9 top, WTBX. Yeah. Just a top 40 pop, you know, pop music station. And a lot of like the 80s and 90s pop music, I, I actually still enjoy a lot of it. But mm-hmm. a lot of that was. A little older because through high school I would hear these songs and you know make fun of the I mean well like Backstreet Boys and that stuff was out a little later I think I was in college with a yeah. lot of that but and yeah. maybe late high school but it definitely was a lot of like hard rock and even classic rock back then because I you know the Metallica and stuff like that led me to ACDC it led me to you know that that kind of rock as well oh yeah well, there was always those classic, you know, the ACDC, the Guns N' Roses stuff that right. they would play, the, the dances and everything, which yeah. um, we all loved. You yeah. Know? Everybody wanted to play the, uh, <laughs> the back in black yeah. guitar riff. and See, I was I was content just to lay down that beat. Simple beat, but man, I love getting into a nice groove like that. I, I'm trying to think what else, Fantastic. like teenagers, high school, like junior, senior, other, oh. other than the Metallica and, and Megadeth. I listened to a lot of rap, too, when I was teenager see i didn't and i I don't know why jason is why (laughs) probably part of it because that's because he was really into rap music too. and that's when i I started listening to it was when i started hanging out with him i think it had more to do with my friends would listen to rap my friends Mm -hmm. that had the big bumping car systems you know the the pioneer subs or the rockford fosgates oh yeah when you would fill your trunk with speakers and room for cargo right um Rap music was what you would play because it, it would make the car shake and you'd hit yeah. that 808 speaker right. and all that stuff. And, um, of course, there was the whole gangster rap thing and everything. And, yeah. And um, I never got everybody too was big listening into to. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't too big into that. When I started listening to rap, it was some stuff like Eminem and Jason was huge into Insane Clown Posse. So I'd listen to some of yeah, that. I never got into that. No, I, I didn't. I got into one or two albums I enjoyed, but most of it I was like, eh, whatever. But I had, a, I had the Dangerous Mind soundtrack. I knew what was up. Yeah. See, I didn't have that. I remember I remember <laughs> hearing like Gangster's Paradise, but of yeah. course I, I enjoyed Weird Al's version much better. Oh, yeah, the Amish you know? Paradise. But oh. I, I remember bands like, you know, it's almost embarrassing to say, but like Limp Bizkit and Corn and... Um, you know, a lot of new metals. Yeah. The, the newer, the fusion that happened, even early kid rock, the fusion between rap and and hip hop, that was fun. But now I don't listen to too much of that either, but I love no No doubt back in the day though. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Just that was fantastic. I had had a lot of different stuff I'd listen to counting crows. I really liked them. Um, what was uh, the other one before live throwing copper was one of my favorites. And what was that other one they sang? Um, oh geez, I totally had a mind. No doubt. No, no, not no doubt. It was the not counting crows either during that same time. A lot of sister Hazel, a lot of big harmonies and, you know, uh, tonic was another one. Uh, not a lot of big hits, but another one of those bands that was kind of a pop rock, but with some really good vocals I enjoyed. So. Yeah, a yeah, lot of cool stuff. We'll have to we'll have to get Jason involved in this and see what he has to say about it. So right. Oh, and I had friends that were really into Metallica and metal that were like, "You listen to all this weak crap." Yeah, I'm like I don't know why I like what I like. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> well, it's like Dave Grohl says, right? 
the, the idea of a guilty pleasure is nonsense, <laughs> and he uses expletive after expletive, but he, he just says, if you like something, own it, like it. Don't don't tiptoe around it and, you know, and hide it and be embarrassed by it. If you like it, like it. So yep. it's kind of a cool exactly. concept. But. Well, nice. Not so much of a geek off as a musical exploration of our tastes. Which right. Users, right. Our listen, users, I'm talking you. to users. <laughs> Sorry, I do IT for a living. Listeners, <laughs> we want to hear what kind of stuff you grew up on. Yeah. Uh, leave a comment on our web zone. <laughs> Can we call it a web zone? <laughs> what are you talking about? You leave a comment on our Twitter, on our Facebook. Tell us, uh, tell us what kind of stuff you listen to. Right, right. Um, <laughs> over the uh, this last week, when I had a lot of time to myself, I went through and I watched all the Star Wars reviews by uh, Red Letter Media's Mister Plinkett. Oh yeah, and I don't know if you've ever seen them, but the reviews themselves are almost as long as the movies. And oh really? So dang good. Um, he rips these the like the Star Wars prequels apart, but he, his the the whole shtick of of the reviews are that he's kind of this decrepit old man and's like, leave a comment on my web zone if you want me to send you a pizza roll, <laughs> pizza <laughs> so, roll. So he's calling it a web zone and stuff. So nice. Anyway, that's where I was going with that. Um, awesome. So what what do we want to what do we want to turn to here? I think uh, we could predate. Yep, I'm, uh, I'm something. I'm bumping a couple stories where we'll hang on to them for next week because uh, yes. timing is good. I, the only one I wanted to just mention, and we don't have to talk about it uh, too much, but I do have it linked up here where the trailer for the 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 new Predators is out. Came out last week. We're oh, I thought that was pre Dater. It. It's like a guy before he went on dates. Yeah, yeah. Before he went on his dates. <laughs> and I, I know. I think we had talked about it in our Discord channel where. Very lukewarm reception to this. I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it, but okay. do they really need to reboot that franchise? Mm. Is this a reboot? I don't or know. Is this a, a I don't sequel? know. I can't figure out if it's a sequel or a reboot. All I know is that Olivia Munn is starring in it, so I'll probably watch it just okay. for that. All right. So we've got a link to the uh, the trailer, which I did watch once. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, and um, it, it, it's kind of weird. It starts off with a kid opening a box in an attic, and he starts pulling out this technology stuff that looks like it's parts of a predator suit and then i don't know if it fast forwards and it's supposed to be this kid as an adult or i don't know what's going on i have to watch it some more but they don't really say real clearly what's happening it's just but it looks like he's almost activating their ship to come over yeah and that's what i couldn't figure out is he activating their ship to call them here or did he start messing around with this technology and somehow it grafted onto him and now he's kind of like shape-shifting into a predator and you know. <laughs> that would actually be awesome yeah who knows maybe i've got an active imagination so i don't know the one that had uh adrian brody and it was like <laughs> predators was that one called yeah i, I forget which one but uh, yeah he was yeah, definitely my favorite definitely check that out little movie um, fun for you yeah so i think it might be time for a little gonna geek that's right and i know as is very popular this week on the the Gunna Geek Network. I heard a lot of plugs for this show already, but we've got another brand new show on the network. It's called On the Bubble. Now, I had actually heard of this bubble. show before and have listened to it in the past, and they just they just joined us here on the really? Gunna Geek Network. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'll, I'll read you the episode title and description and tell you a little bit about what they do, but uh, most recent episode is called Marvel's Most Wanted, the fan campaign to get ABC to release the most wanted pilot. It's on the bubble episode 21 in which they take a look at Marvel's first uh, Marvel's most wanted pilot and the fan campaign that 
you know, to get ABC to release the pilot to fans. What on the bubble is, is a show that they basically tackle all of these shows that are on the bubble of being cut or maybe have been cut. And they look at the fan support for the shows or, you know, the different aspects that go into trying to get these shows renewed and things like that. So it's actually a really fun show. If you love television, especially when so many of our favorite shows seem to get cut relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> Never ending. So go check them out. You can find them over at gunnageek.com, um, along with a ton of other great shows out there. So now I don't have any musical instruments hooked up, but <laughs> it's time for weekly garnish. <laughs> Best I could do for us there. That's like what Jason did last week. Yep. Pretty close. Uh, and actually this week's weekly garnish is something that I brought along. And I don't know if we've talked about archive.org before. Um, but this is the 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 Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive. Mm-hmm. Um, archive.org is amazing. Um, this place has archived tons of video, audio, books, websites. Like you can type in a domain name into the Wayback Wayback Machine, and you can see I can see my band's old website from two thousand one in there. It's awesome. It also goes to also proved the 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 point that once something's on the internet, you can't get rid of it. Right. However, they do have something called the Internet Arcade. And what this is, it's a web-based library of like coin-operated video games from the 70s through the 90s. And you can click on these and they emulate it right in your browser and you can play them all that they've got here. They've got like 1,700 arcade games in here. I'm not kidding. They have everything from Joust, Outrun by Sega, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Commando, Alien, there's Atari Food Fight, Tron. They've got all these Pitfall Two is in here. What about um, stuff that's a little newer, like the the Simpsons video game and the Turtles in Time and that kind of stuff in there too? Yeah, I'm just typing in Simpsons right now. We've got a link to this in the show notes. It's actually this is it's a pretty awesome. You could waste some time here. They do have the Simpsons, the four player world in the Internet Arcade. Nice. What was the other one? Turtles. Turtles in Time, I think, was one of the big arcade games. Yes, they've got that on there too. Nice. Um, so it'll actually, if you click on the game, it'll you can go full screen with the emulator. I don't know how it maps to your keyboard, but um, and the audio control well, doesn't work for me. Most they have like arcade a button games to insert a coin. Yeah, most arcade games though, you only had two buttons, sometimes four. Buttons. Yeah. I mean, even the most complex ones, like your your more recent fighting games, would have what six usually. I think like Street Fighter had the three and three. Nice. Yeah, that's for the strong, medium, and light kicks and punches. Two, okay. one set for each. Yeah. But they've even got like the instruction manuals for these things in here. So it's called the Internet Arcade. Yeah. Um, definitely check it out. Like I said, there's like seventeen hundred games in here from the seventies through the nineties that you can play right in your browser. You know what the I think? The other piece is what's that? I think we need some first play game gaming videos out of Jason for the internet arcade. I do too. That would be kind of awesome. <laughs> I think tell him to tell him to get some quarters, some free time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So guys, while you're in there looking at the archive.org internet archive, um, in the upper left corner, you'll see all kinds of things, whether it's web or text or video, they've got all kinds of stuff. Anything that's like create, you know, um, what do you call it now that the licensing is passed? Creative Commons. Yeah, kind of that kind of stuff. Um, public domain. Public domain. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. They've got software. They've got PC games you can download. There's all kinds of stuff in here. Definitely worth checking out. Archive.org. Very Check cool. it. That's a weekly garnish for today. Absolutely. It looks like a good time and a, unfortunately, 
huge time suck too. So <laughs> it does seem like a huge time suck because I'm going to be playing some stuff on there. Yeah. So if you're bored at work, don't <laughs> don't do it. I'm just kidding. No, um, don't do it at work. Yeah. Anything else, Dave? Before we uh, we make our exit here? Not really. I think that'll about do it for this week. Of course, we want to just remind you guys, listeners. Um, First, you know, we very much, as Adam is about to say, we very much appreciate you guys taking time out of your week each and every week to give us a listen. And we'd love to hear you, you know, bring more people into that fold. So make sure and tell your friends if you have anyone that loves kind of the intersection of tech and geek culture and all those fun conversations, bring them over to Digital Soup and, you know, let them see what it's all about. But I do want to remind remind people this week we have a double header. As of now, the oh. schedule is to release this month's super reviews um, for the film Hardcore Henry, in which this we, Friday, right? It should be out. Yeah, hopefully by this Friday, if not a little sooner. So oh, I know we okay. recorded it already. It's just a matter of when it's going to get posted. So sounds good. Look, look for that coming up, and uh, also look for potentially down the road in a week or two. Maybe we'll have to throw together uh, some ideas for our own digital soup gift guide for Father's Day. So I like it. Um, one other thing I'm going to mention real quick, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason's been adding a lot of his videos on his yes. playthroughs to games to our YouTube channel. So if you uh, if you haven't yet, go check out the Digital Soup YouTube channel. We've got that linked mm-hmm. up on our website, digitalsouppodcast.com. That's where you can find links to any of our social media accounts. We would love to interact more. Um, there's also additional articles on that site, so check that out. Tell a friend about us. Like, subscribe, leave a comment on our web zone. Because <laughs> nobody calls it that. Right. And, uh, of course, like, as always, you can check out all of our sister shows over at gunnageek.com. So mm-hmm. from all of us at the Digital Soup Podcast, even though Jason's not with us today, and I'm sure he would mean this, that he's part of all of us wishing you guys a wonderful week. Yes. And we'll catch you next time. That's Later, great. Gators. Yeah, take care. And I was wondering who was going to say it. Who, who's got that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Later. <laughs> well, he'd have to say something funny. Later. Like, uh, later. Archive nine. Gators. <laughs> yeah. Arcade playing in the browser Gators. <laughs> yeah. or... It makes me wonder what happened to Urban Legend. Yeah. Did he, get, did he get the smackdown on him? Yeah, and maybe. come on the show? <laughs> maybe. Oh, his, man. Maybe his Where's Steel SP? Cage match. Yeah. I haven't heard from either one of them to, now that you think of it. Maybe Uh-oh. they're both unconscious in a parking lot. <laughs> there's a cage outside and they're both <laughs> ladders and chairs all over the place. That's right. That's right. <laughs>